Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource for Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always, well, every other week anyway, with my friend, my colleague, Ronnie Kurtz. He is assistant professor of Christian studies. Uh, what else are you? I always forget. Managing editor for the Managing church. editor. I was yeah. going to say assistant editor. That's not correct. Managing <laughs> editor for the church and assistant director of marketing. That's yeah. where I was trying to go, as well as a pastor at Emmaus Church and an author. We'll be talking about his books coming out pretty soon, yeah. probably in the next few weeks or a few months. And um, it's just great to be with you again, hey, brother. man, you too. Always a, always a treat. You know what we haven't done in a little while? Oh, no. I haven't read reviews. Oh, okay. I was worried it was going to be a beef. No. Well, well maybe there might be. <laughs> I, there may be a beef. I might have a beef with some of these reviewers. So we started um, this thing a few episodes back where I'm going to read reviews. Yeah. And the whole idea is that we would manipulate people Love it. into writing their own reviews. Yeah. They think, I might hear my name. That's why people would do it. Yeah. I'm convinced that most of the letters to the editor in newspapers, which I don't know they do that anymore because I haven't read a newspaper in a long time, but it's, it's just people who want to see their name in the newspaper. There's nothing like appealing to the worst in people to get them to the review you the know, podcast. You know, so fun fact, I, I had a letter to Entertainment Weekly published once. Entertainment Weekly used to publish letters from readers, and I wrote them a letter um, commenting on the hypocrisy of Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be? why I would think Will Smith is a hypocrite? I don't know. So it was an interview in which he boasted about never using profanity in his songs, in his in his rap songs. Yeah. In fact, the rapper Eminem famously like ridicules him for that. Yeah. But Will Smith doesn't use profanity in his music. But in the interview, he like cursed two or three times. <laughs> and they, of course they ble- you know, they little the you know, the little hyphens or whatever cuz Entertainment Weekly, they yeah. you know, they bleeped it out on print. And I just thought, well, he's, he's using profanity in his everyday life. And the reason he says he didn't put it in his music is for his kids, you know, for his yeah. sons or something. And so I wrote this letter and I was like, well, he's a hypocrite, you know? So if you think you take it out of your music, but you use it in your everyday life, what's going to have a bigger impact on your kids? Yeah. And they, and they printed it. They wow. printed my letter there in Entertainment is. Weekly. I was probably 20 years old. When That's I, I mean, it was literally probably 15 years ago that I, That's or 25 amazing. years ago that I wrote that. So, <laughs> um, Anyway, here are some reviews. Let's hear them. Some uh, some reader comments. So I, I said we're going to start reading these, and I thought people would just flood. They're like, oh, I hear my name. And we've gotten two. Hey. Two reviews. How are the two? Well, we may have more star. You can, you, you can rate yeah. without leaving a written yeah. review. So we may have a lot more star ratings. Um, but I, I like to read these reviews. Right here. So, okay. This comes from Mick1037. I love these names. Mick1037. Um, so helpful. Hey, five stars. He says, down to earth ministry helps and encouragement. Excellent. Man, Mick 1037. Appreciate it, Mick. You're Mick number one in my book. (laughs) Um, here is David James Allen and great show. He says he only gave us four stars. Okay. This pod is (laughs) beautiful. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He puts hyphens between each letter and beautiful. Beautiful. I'll give it five stars. So this is like the guy who said, I'll give you five if Jared never does a solo episode. Okay, yeah. This guy says, I'll give it five stars if you if you redo the UFO app and Ronnie leads no! the episode. <laughs> That's why you're reading this. It's just a, it was just your attempt to get back at me for the UFO episode. That's, that's right. No, it's good because it's a four-star review and he says it is beautiful. But Aww. he thinks that you need to lead that episode. Listen, this is a big deal because I've actually gotten teased a little bit about oh, – yeah? The last time we did this, we read reviews, 
there was one guy, that same guy you're talking about, and apparently I said the phrase because he gave us four stars. Yeah. And says, you know, don't don't let Jared Do single us. host one. Yeah, yeah. And I said, apparently I said, Jared, I'll be your fifth star. Okay. <laughs> and that phrase yeah. has gotten me made fun of okay. quite a bit. <laughs> And oh, now good. I'm the detraction of the fifth star. Now you're the so. detraction. Okay. Uh, Here is uh, Van Beber. Van Beber says, uh, engaging and useful. Five stars. I love Jared and Ronnie. They offer solid insight and are extremely engaging in their dialogue with one another and with guests. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Oh, that's sweet. I Look think I that. know who that one is. Okay. So thank you, friend. Here is Brutes or Brutz. Not sure how you would or pronounce brutes. it. Or br- well, there's no vowel after the T. It's just B-R-U-T-Z. Brutes or Brutes. Excellent and practical po- uh, podcast. Five stars. I've been powering through several of the podcast episodes. Well, if it's five stars, how do you power through it? Anyway, powering through several of the podcast episodes have found them to be tremendously helpful. Combination of wit and wisdom. Hey, that's how we should start calling This podcast there. delivers much needed information for pastors, future pastors, and anyone, I mean, Brutz is just going for this the is a, blurb this is my on man. the back of Let's the book. Go. If we were a book, this Brutz would be the top quote on the back. Pastors, future pastors, anyone who simply wants to know best how to serve the local church. Thank you so much, wow. Brutz, for that's that five-star one. review. Here's uh, someone who uh, gave us one star. Oh, yes, that's here. I love these. Uh, one star, entertaining. Well, that's, that's kind of funny that he yeah. would say it's entertaining and then give us one star. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the bad thing. If you're looking for some serious spiritual food, Conversation or information. This is not it. I, I love. He must have this listened to the voice. I'm he adopting to the UFO episode. No, this is from a year ago. This oh, is man. way before that. If you're looking for Christian entertainment and discussing an unusual or interesting topic, you come to the right place. Listening to the podcast on plagiarism, I found a couple of points where the conversation could have taken a deeper dive and provided some serious guidance. Yet the conversation skims over these blah, 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 blah. Oh, man, I thought the plagiarism episode was kind of fun. I thought it was good episode. I don't, <laughs> We're good I mean, at receiving one-star reviews. You know, hey, I appreciate them. Um, yeah, okay, one, one more. Um, Wes Braves 87, five stars. Awesome, good content, biblical and gospel-focused. And then he asked about what happened to an episode. <laughs> that got deleted. <laughs> I'd have to look up. He just gives the number. I have to go look it up and see why we deleted. We delete certain episodes from time to time. Um, sometimes Ronnie cusses, and we have <laughs> that to. That like, is not true. We have to take him out. <laughs> not Will Smith. Those things. He's not Will Smith. No, he does not cuss. <laughs> I don't know why that episode was deleted. Uh, West Braves, but I'll, I'll have to look it up. Hey, we're um, in, uh, digging into some headlines today. Yeah, headlines. This is episode. actually the second installment. I wanted this to be a recurring installment. Uh, kind of like the mailbag episode, mm-hmm. which we do probably every f- six weeks or so, um, or maybe every couple of months. Uh, but we've done one of these before, yep. coming back to it. And part of the reason why we don't do these more regularly is because, as we've said multiple times before, we are not hot take people. Amen. It's not a hot take website for That's the right. church, ftc.co. It's not a hot take website. We don't have a hot take social media presence. This is not going to be a hot take podcast. That's right. But these things are in the news. They're kind of in the zeitgeist, even in, at least in the evangelical uh, sphere. And so they're worth talking about and reflecting on. And maybe we can, we can bring some pastoral reflections um, on these different headlines. And so we've got a couple for our installment today. And the first is this, of course. Um, Christianity Today has been producing over the last, I don't know, how many episodes are out now? You just uh, listened nine, to Nine. Nine episodes. Yeah. So it's been going on for a little while. Um, I think there's going to be three more and some bonus from this point on. When people hear this, there probably will be fewer. But um, at the time of this recording, nine episodes of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. 
uh, produced by Mike Cosper, a friend of mine, friend of ours, friend of the program. Uh, Mike um, is the head of CT Podcast, actually, and hosts, and it's a journalistic piece, largely, that chronicles, as it says, the rise and fall of Pastor Mark Driscoll, um, you know, personally or, or primarily, and the empire, the ecclesiastical empire that he built, and even the, some aspects of the movement around it, uh, Young Restless Reformed, mm-hmm. 8 to 9 Connected, TGC, T4G, but the church he founded, Mars Hill Church in Seattle, Washington. There's a lot of mixed feelings about it, yeah. Ronnie. Um, and sometimes, this is, I mean, just to kind of you know, put my cards on the table, uh, I feel like the mixed feelings change per episode. <laughs> An episode comes out and people are like, you talk to these people too much and these people not enough. And then the next episode, it's flip-flop. Yeah. Mike talks to different voices and people get upset uh, the other side. And in my mind, you know, do I think the podcast is perfect? No. And, and we can talk, you know, obviously we're going to dig into this. Um, I don't think the podcast is perfect. Um, but if everybody's getting angry, I think maybe you're on to something. Yep. I mean, maybe not, but you know, it, if you're designed to anger people, and I don't think that's what this podcast no. is designed to do. I don't think that he's setting out to to cause trouble. But if both sides, right, um, so to speak, there's more than one side really, but if both sides categorically are finding some issues, it could be that you're actually threading a pretty good middle ground. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to offer some critiques as well, but um, I don't know. What about your thoughts? So you just actually listened to the whole thing. Yeah. You like binged it. In one weekend. I've yep. been listening week by week as they come out. You yep. binged it. What are your thoughts fresh off yeah. your uh, your binge? So I don't know what it was. I I've told I think we talked about this even personally, Jared. I wasn't planning to listen. Yeah. I don't know. And then I said we're going to talk about it, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, Ugh, all better right. find something to say. This can't be <laughs> UFO part two. Yeah. No, I. Uh, that's largely what happened. I was planning on not listening. Um, some of the stuff is just not that I have any personal connections to sure. Mars Hill, but it does feel personal, and in that way, it is painful. And that's mm. not a that's not a justifiable reason to not partake in something, but uh, for me, I just it wasn't exactly what I needed at this particular moment. Then when you said you were considering doing an episode covering, I thought you know what I have been wanting to listen to it, and Jared's pricking my conscience, so let's just <laughs> let's just do it. And so this last weekend, I spent a good bit of my Saturday and Sunday just kind of kind of working through them. Okay, and so I'm fresh. All of the content's very fresh. Uh. There's been a lot said about the podcast. I didn't realize how much was said about yeah. it. I think there's more material talking about the podcast than there yeah. is even in the including podcast. now this episode. Yeah, including yeah. and we are adding. Yeah. Um. So I don't know that I'll have anything brilliant or utterly unique. I will say my first impression is just sorrow. Mm. I feel sad listening to it. Yeah. And the streams that are flowing into my sorrow are multifold. Um. It's streams of personal connection. Like I said, while I wasn't close to Driscoll, I was very close to Darren Patrick, who has been brought up in the episodes. Um, I'm a pastor of an Acts 29 church. We used, my wife and I used Driscoll's content in our premarital counseling. The Mars Hill music has had a massive impact on me. Yeah, And it just, the, the connections are deep. And so it's just sad. Yeah. And then second, it's sad for the sake of the gospel in the sense of what I think Mike is doing so well, I think he's doing so much so well. Let me say that. Uh, so if Mike listens to this, man, you're, you're doing a great job. Um, is showing that this isn't, it would be silly to say that this is all bad. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of lives that were changed at Mars Hill is astronomical. And the amount of lives that were changed out of the resources from Mars Hill are astronomical. 
And I think Mike's doing a good job highlighting that throughout throughout yeah. some of the episodes of, hey, this is people like marriages were saved here. Salvation's happened here. Baptism's happened here. Families were raised here. And I think that doubles the sadness. Yeah. Like that was happening. Yeah. I want to comment on that because I'm hearing in some of the more recent critiques, people saying that they're not talking about the fruit. And in fact, there was one uh, f- yeah. former employer yep, of, of Mars Hill who kind of issued a public statement about why he's not participating in the podcast. And it's because it's in, you know um, entirely negative and et cetera, et cetera. And I think, well, this guy either hasn't listened. Um, but f- from a writer's perspective, I kind of understand what Mike is doing. Um, Mike Cosper. The beginning he spends in the, in the first few episodes, um, he, he almost goes out of his way to, to talk about the good yeah. that happened yeah. then and the good that's come out of, you know, those who were shaped, you know, by the ministry of Mars Hill at that time. And, 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 and I felt like it was almost, you know, it was pretty obvious what he was doing, which is to say, I don't want this to be a muckraking yep. sort of, you know, piece or just reveling in. I want to, you know, talk about that God does do good things through you know, um, you know, broken people and even messy people, and and here are people who can testify to that, and here are some testimonies to that. But after a while, w- once you establish that, to keep going back to that, almost a, if, you know, feels like you're undercutting yes, what yeah. you now need to explore. Here, you, you have to keep you know offering caveats and yeah. oh, but also, and that's just weak writing. And yes. I think Mike understands that. But if you're only listening to the later episodes, or if those are the only ones that are fresh on your mind, it can give the impression of, hey, he's just focusing on the negative now and. Um, and I don't think if you if if you take the whole thing as as a body of work as a whole, um, I think he's done a, a, an admirable job yeah, of actually too. you know reflecting and even speaking to people who um, still hold you know because one of the major critiques also is um, he's clear you know he's saying that complementarianism inevitably leads to this stuff or Calvinism inevitably leads to this stuff or whatever it is, but he's speaking to voices who still affirm those things and and getting their insights so. Um, I don't know where Mike is personally in 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 that regard. Um, you know, I don't know if he's in flux in terms of his own personal views, but I have not personally found it to be an attack on complementarianism. Um, I I can totally see how people would see that, I suppose, um, or how they might gather that. But I still think it's a misperception. Yep. I don't think that he's doing that per se. Now, there's still more episodes to go. You know, maybe that'll be his final conclusion. But early on, one thing I thought he put his finger on that I thought really is the real takeaway, um, which is not look at this bad person and the bad thing that he did and the bad stuff that happened there. That's the lens through which to look at really what is the problem, which I guess some would say it's complementarianism or it's Calvinism. I I don't think that's the point Mike is making, nor do I think um, that's reality. We're both complementarians, you know, complementarians. Um, Obviously, we don't think that inevitably leads to abuse yeah, or anything like right. that. We wouldn't, you know, affirm those views. Um, but I think it's a the lens through which to look at the question he brought up early on. It might have been it might have been episode one, which is why do we long for leaders That's like this? That's exactly right. Yep. Not just how did Mark Driscoll happen or how did Mars Hill happen and what happened in its fall, but what is it in us that wants this kind of thing? And that's a bigger story yes. than. Yep. So this is just the lens through which to look through. But of course, for some of us, it's rather personal. I mean, I had connections to Mark. I did editing work for um, for Mark Driscoll. N- never met him personally, n- never actually even corresponded with him personally. It was always done through assistance. But I worked on several projects that came out through Mars Hill and some other publishing 
um, you, you know, projects there. Mark's preaching in the darkest moments of my life. I listened to two different sermon podcasts, uh, John Piper and Mark Driscoll. And it's not an exaggeration to say what I was hearing there saved my life. Mm. So I'm not someone who's detached from the idea that there is fruit that can come uh, from that preaching. In fact, the fact that I'm s- sitting here in this institution and even a, a breathing <laughs> you know, right now is in part a testimony to um, the way God used Mark mm-hmm. in, in, in my life, despite Mark, you know, without Mark even knowing about it. Um, and then later on, uh, when we were planting a church, of course, I, you know, um, I was never an Acts 29 uh, pastor, but I was in, in a sense connected. I interacted with a lot of that, you know, 829 guys. I spoke at 829 events um, and the, the stuff coming out of Mars Hill. I, you know, when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, I thought, how do we plant a Mars Hill church in Nashville, Tennessee? What would it look like? How could we contextualize it here? So, you know, there was a lot of good, I think, that mm-hmm. came out of it, um, but a lot of mess as well. And whether you find that in the theology, which, you know, I think aspects of the theology, I perhaps would agree, or applications of it, I yeah. think I would agree. Um, but I also think it's about a story about narcissism and about celebrity culture yeah. and certainly about bad polity. Yep. If you want to talk about anything theological or, you know, theologically referenced in terms of a system, it, it was an unbiblical polity mm-hmm. that they had. An external advisory board and um, no parity among elders. So, I mean, they had a plurality, I suppose, but you, you know, a growing elder board and a large percentage of them sort of exiled from oversight and accountability for Mark himself and other executive elders. And um, that, to me, I think is the theological story. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna if you're gonna pick on a theological system you know, malfunction, yeah. you're looking at ecclesiology. It was a bad ecclesiology. Yeah, I think talking about the story as a story of narcissism and celebrity culture really is helpful. Yeah. Uh, I remember the most, well, there's a lot that just makes you say like, man, that is like gross. One of the grossest part of the podcast to me was the whole William Wallace the second thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember thinking like, Kevin Durant did something similar, actually. He, he okay. created a burner account. The basketball player? Yeah, the basketball okay. player. Okay. He created like a burner account to defend himself against fans on oh, Twitter. Oh, man. Is that wrong? And Should we not do that? <laughs> Give me a sec. Keep talking. Let me pick up my phone. I'm just, I'm looking at messages. Gotta go delete real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, the kind of place you need to be in to defend yourself or to talk as egregiously as he talked in those places um, and that, that, you know, message board. Man, it's just so dark. Yeah. It's so dark and so narcissistic and self-focused to get to a place where that's well, how you're spending your time. And the kind of celebrity culture that, that could breed, it, it's just not, it becomes, what ends up happening is you say, this is not totally unsurprising. Yeah. You know, like it, given this, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you start seeing these red flags. Yeah. And what happens in a place like that, and it happens, I mean, you know, you could say, I mean, some are saying, Mike, you should cover the Willow Creek, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the fall of Bill Hybels next or the whatever. I don't know that Mike wants to be the guy who just does this kind of, muck, you know, what is perceived as muckraking or, you know, exposés mm-hmm. or what have you. You know, you could do Liberty, you know, University or whatever, you know, all these different things. Um, you know, you, you could do that. And the reason you could do that is because the the cliched example of the guy whose gifts outpace his character. Mm-hmm. Um, or people who are outpunting their coverage as opposed, you know, uh, um, as it relates to, um, uh, um, you know, spiritual formation and the qualifications for eldership. 
and and you know along the way you're seeing these little things and you just dismiss them. You know, I've been in a church like this actually. Mm-hmm. I was a part of an attractional mega church before we planted that was a big you know seeker celebrity deal. And our pastor was very much like this. And in fact, he was eventually fired for very similar things that you, you know Driscoll was involved in. Um, uh, verbal abuse of, of staff, being very short-tempered. And all it, it had to like, I mean, it, it went on for years actually mm. before our elders eventually fired him and began to look for a replacement. And we had to, we, we, you know, we lost a thousand people. Like it was, you know, could have been a collapse of us. And what happened was you learned is early on, you just sort of excuse some of the stuff. You're like, yeah, you know, he's a little, you know, rough around the edges or he's having a bad day or whatever it is um, because the thing is so successful. Yep. The success becomes the excuse. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what happened at Mars Hill. Gosh, the guy's so big. They're having thousands and thousands of people. He's in multiple states now. He's traveling the globe. He's on the Today Show, you know, whatever it is. All of that becomes the Lord is using it, and the fruit is greater than whatever you think these red flags are. And eventually, unchecked, without accountability, your your character catches up. The shadow of your character catches up to the reality of that's what exactly is happening. Right. And that's exactly what happened here. He he was not he disqualified himself long before, but the success became his qualification. The bigness became his qualification. Um, I don't mm-hmm. you know this whole episode is not about this subject, so I don't want to go on too long, but. Um, any critiques that you might have for the, you know, for the podcast? Is there well, things that give you caution? Yeah, I'm sensitive to artists, and I I am sensitive to not complaining about writing or producing the podcast that I wish you produced, and I don't want to do that. Sure, sure. And I, I really do think Mike is doing an excellent job. By the way, just the quality of the podcast yeah. is incredible. So nothing like this podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's well, just a, it's yeah. amazing, you know. Um, I I know how to push these buttons. Oh, over you here. do, yeah. you do. Uh, so I would say there's a caution to be had in the existence of the podcast, but not necessarily within the podcast itself. And maybe that's because I'm I'm again member of the Get Along Gang. If you're a longtime listener, but uh, I've liked the podcast a lot, and I do think the the critique, if there was one, is just watch your heart as you listen. Uh, I've seen one person, this might be too strong of language, but I saw one person online refer to it as failure porn. Mm-hmm. Again, it's probably, that's probably exaggeration, but I could see why someone would get addicted, as it were, to expose kind of pieces. Yeah. And I think our world is just in, it, deconstruction is habit at this point. We deconstruct everything. Yeah, yeah. Construction is what we have a hard time with. The, the concept of this being a time to build is where I think we need to put a lot of our eggs. Uh, so I would say just be cautious as a listener to, you know, getting too excited about listening to the deconstruction of failure of another person. Um, maybe migrate your energies towards construction. But I don't think, what I'm not saying there is that that's a critique of the podcast itself. I actually think Mike can say this can be constructive. Yeah. If you use it well, this can be constructive. It can be constructive of character. It can be constructive of church systems. It can be constructive of ecclesiast- ecclesiastical policies. And so I think you can use this expose in construction, but that's how, that's how I would want to encourage listeners. How about yeah. you? Well, yeah, um, and I agree with that. Again, like I said, I think you know, to use this particular story, I think the line that or the needle that that Cosper is threading is to say this is a lens to look through at these issues that evangelicals need to deal with. And so, yes, it's about Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill and telling the story 
of that. And so the characters in that story, people who were there on either side of the of, of certain issues, um, people who came out as unbelievers and people who who you know maintain faith coming out, those sorts of things. So that's the subject matter, but it's about looking through that to this this wider you know issue of you know ce- uh, celebrity culture, narcissistic you know personality disorder among pastors and 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 that sort of thing, bad polity, perhaps bad systems, and and so on and so forth that we could apply elsewhere. So I, I think as an object lesson, it's good. One of the concerns I have really is almost um, it's similar to so when he um, heavily featured some progressive voices early on, what we would you know essentially theological liberals, yeah. but you know what are sometimes called progressive evangelicals in a few episodes and kind of scattered throughout. But one episode in particular, he kind of heavy yeah you know you know you know listen to a few voices. A lot of people were like, oh, this is clear the agenda is a progressive agenda and et cetera. And I'm not quite there. I don't quite feel that. But I did think some of the voices were not the best ones. So, for instance, uh, Tony Jones, who yeah. is clearly a theological liberal, um, he he's going to have critiques of Mars Hill, but also of complementarianism, you know, Calvinism, um, and and just evangelical orthodoxy in general, um, and 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 the average evangelical. Um, but you know, Tony Jones is also you know there are credible allegations of abuse from his ex-wife against him, and he left his wife. You know, I mean, there are things that we're critiquing Driscoll for that this guy is is, is credibly uh, you know been alleged against him. So I thought well, this is an odd choice to keep featuring his voice. It's that's an odd juxtaposition mm-hmm. that we're we're exposing on this side, but we're now elevating on this side. So I thought that was kind of a poor choice. And the use of Rachel Held Evans bringing her up. Yeah. Uh, Multiple times now, I know that the the correct answer to that is whatever you think of Rachel Held Evans' theology, and it was clearly liberal theology. Um, I'm not going to make any judgment on her, you know, the state, you know, her eternal state or anything like that. But um, it's it's you know whatever you think of that, she at least was a voice critiquing Driscoll in the day when, right. a, when a lot of us weren't yeah. right. So it kind of does make journalistic sense to talk to people who were waving their hands and sh- and saying red flag, red flag. Yeah you know, way back then. And if that turns out to be, you know, progressive, you know, evangelicals, well, instead of getting mad at them, maybe we should be more self-reflective about why we weren't waving more red flags. But then there are people who say, look, John MacArthur, he was raising concerns early on. He hasn't been featured on the podcast. Does that show an agenda? So I think those critiques have some uh, measure of validity to them. Um, I don't think Rachel Held Evans is is, um, a supremely reliable, you know, voice in these things. Um, she has said some, you know, really volatile things, um, extreme things about others, including myself. So it was kind of personal, I suppose. Um, and I think, well, you know, so she wasn't totally against abusive language, just who it was aimed at. Mm. So, you know, different choices like that. I think, you know, if you're going to find voices of critique, maybe there were, you know, could be some better ones than some of the ones he chose. But as a as a body of work so far, obviously by the time we listen to this, it's not completely over. But so far, I agree with you. I, I you know I think the good outweighs the bad. I agree. Yeah. Um, that it should be a cause for humility and reflection, rather than getting angry about you know you're ex, you know exposing or or spotlighting stuff that's from my tribe or from my people. We should go. Well, gosh, this happened on our watch. Mm-hmm. What can we do going forward to make sure that we don't miss this stuff? How are we missing it right now? Where are our blind spots or our willful ignorance? Where is that even even now? So a lot to think about. Maybe we can do a follow-up you yeah. know, months down the road. 
when things are cold, because we're cold take <laughs> people. Cold I take. do want to move on, unless you have anything else. No, I want to move good. on. Okay, I want to move on to our next story, uh, which is our friend Dan Darling, who's been on the podcast, uh, formerly of the ERLC, um, one of the sweetest, godliest. And I, I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I'm stacking the deck here to show my bias and 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 my comments on this story, but. Uh, Daniel Darling, who formerly the ERLC and now formerly of the National Religious uh, uh, Broadcasters, uh, was a member of the NRB, recently fired by the NRB for giving an interview on the Morning Joe program, uh, which is kind of a political talk show type thing, in which he advocated for vaccinations, that that people should get vaccinated. Um, I don't know if you've listened to the piece itself. I have. Um, It was a very charitable, (laughs) even-keeled Um, he wasn't like, at no point did Dan say, if you don't get vaccinated, you don't love your neighbor. I mean, there was like any of the extreme things you could think of that people would use to manipulate others to get vaccinated was not there. He basically laid out a case for why he he personally, um, thinks loving neighbor looks like vaccination and, and just very calmly as, as as only Dan could, you would not expect anything else from Dan. Mm Mm-hmm. And the NRB fired him for violating some policy, which they said um, calls for neutrality in the organization about the vaccination issue. Now, I, you know, I, I don't want to get angry emails. I don't. <laughs> we live in too late. We live in very polarized <laughs> times, very divisive times. So uh, this is not going to be about vaccination, pro or con. I, I'm not even going to ask you. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to pretend like you're an NFL player and it's a personal decision. I'll say publicly, I'm I'm fully vaccinated. I'm not overly animated about whether people are vaccinated or not. I maybe I ought to be. I have people who say that I should be, you know, virulently anti-vaccination. Well, I I already missed that boat because I got I got the jab <laughs> oh, twice. Darn it! <laughs> I have friends who think I should be virulently pro-vax and like you know you know telling everybody to get vaccinated. I I, I just my animation's not there. My yeah. energy isn't there. I thought it was right for me and my family. We did that. I think you know probably people should get vaccinated. This isn't about the vaccine. It's about what happened to Dan, whether that was right or yeah. wrong. Thoughts on that? I'll let you kick it off yeah. after that Thanks. setup, that very <laughs> yeah. long introduction. <laughs> well, I'll just say I, I put it on on Twitter, so I'll own it. Um, and and this is where I say this represents my own thoughts, not Ronnie's or our institutions. <laughs> so many. I'm not caveats. speaking for the institution. Yeah. Speaking for myself, I thought it was an idiotic decision. Yeah. I, I just thought it was ridiculous that that, that happened um, for all sorts of reasons, policy notwithstanding. And I I'll comment on that, but um, yeah, a policy notwithstanding, this is his personal view. On a podcast promoting something else, ask you know, ask a question, um, and and to me this has issues to do with free speech and just civility and common sense that we're not allowed to speak these sorts of opinions. And evangelicals have created our own cancel culture. We may say we're against cancel culture, but we do the exact same That's thing right. to our own when we deem things politically incorrect. We have our own form of political correctness. So that's all I'll say for now. Yeah, you, yeah, that's great. I I think that setup's great, and I agree with everything you said. Do I sound riled up? I'm riled up because I love Dan, and he's a friend, and I thought it was ridiculous. Anyway, okay, well, go ahead, yeah, Ronnie. let me just start with I won't interrupt. Let me just start with Dan himself. Um, man, if you're looking for a model of how to talk today, choose Dan Darling. Yeah, I I felt like man, it's just the the way he writes, the way he carries himself on social media. Some of the words that have been coming more and more important to me as I get older is stability, nuance, and kindness. Mm. And I just feel like 
a stable, wise, nuanced, kind leader. Um, Dan is just one of those. Yeah. And those are the kind of voices. I think he's one of those. I think someone like Trevin Wax is another one for me that I just, Matt Smithers is another one. Those are the kind of voices I want people to watch closely. And the fact that we get to watch Dan Darling closely in a moment like this just so emphasized everything I already thought about him. He, even in his response, he was kind. Yes. He was nuanced. He yeah. was careful and he was stable. So he, re- he responded differently than I did to That's his firing. Exactly right. Yeah. The, he, the, what I would consider the victim of the thing has, has been nothing but charitable. That's right. And, and, uh, and grateful for his time there and respectful and complimentary even of mm-hmm. them, uh, which just, you know, only speaks to where his heart is, I think. That's exactly right. Yeah. And only the gospel brings about that kind of stability in a person. Yeah. And so I'm just so thankful for a display of it in a world in which, I feel like we're constantly tearing stuff down. Mm. I felt like he made this an example of what it looks like to be kind and stable. And so just, yeah, I have no clue if he'll listen to this, but if you do, Dan, thank you so much for your wisdom and your stability here. You gave a model, model to us all. I, I would agree with your assessment of it, though. I thought the word that came to mind was, this is just silly. Yeah. It is absolutely <laughs> yes. silly that cancel culture, that an us first them mentality has gotten to the point where we can't talk to each other. Right. It just blows me away. And 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 on this issue, so I mean, yes. I know this has been elevated to such a thing, but it's not like he went on there and said, um, Jesus Christ is not fully God. <laughs> yeah, or that's right. yeah. He didn't deny a cardinal doctrine of the faith. And if NRB has a policy against that, well, that makes total sense because you're a Christian organization, and so you would have rules about Christian orthodoxy and that someone should be a Christian if they're going to work for you. And if you make a public statement that contradicts Christian doctrine, you would be fired. That makes total sense. But to come up with a policy that says we are organizationally neutral, okay, well, that makes sense. Organiz- well, I, I mean, it can make sense. Yeah. I think that's okay. Organizationally, we have no official position. But to now say no one who works for us may voice an opinion on something that is such a tertiary issue I, and, and this is not me being calm. I'm sorry, but um, I, if I'm if I'm you know faulting anything here, it's 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 loyalty, and for all the reasons that you just ex, ex, you yes. know, explained, yeah. Dan is not the guy that you fire from a position like this. Mm-hmm. There are not a whole lot of Dans out there. That's right. And if you've got one, you keep him and you pay him well and you treat him well, mm. um, and you let him serve the people that you're trying to serve well and represent you well. I just think it's this is just a, a black mark. On, on the organization I totally and, agree. And, you know, uh, uh, to have done this. It made me kind of smile a little bit to think about <laughs> after the news broke, how many executive teams around the country were trying to figure out how they could hire Dan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and I'm surprised he hasn't announced yet, but um, someone's going to scoop him up and, and he'll be an asset, yeah, you, know, to them, a doubt. you know, to them for sure. Yeah. Um, so hey, I, yeah. I think I would just encourage our listeners with this, man, e- even, if you're, even if your temperature's a little too hot on the conversation, uh, pastor, leader, try to cultivate the kind of culture in which we can talk to each other like adults. Yeah. It, like even what Jared said at the beginning of this podcast, what he said about his personal feelings, which is my personal feelings too. I am fully vaccinated. Uh, same thing. I don't think it's the hill I'm going to die on. I th- I've heard someone describe our, my view as fully vaccinated and, and over it. <laughs> well, and it's okay. like that's kind of right. Like yeah, I'm, sure. I'm yeah. uh, as much as I can be. I'm kind of over COVID, but I'm yeah. happy to follow the vaccination guidelines. And I did that, and anyways, um, so I'm 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 there. And the fact that 
this position where I refuse, I refuse to let my ministry platform be hijacked yes. by this conversation. I, I will not let it do. I will not let anti-vaxxers take it and I will not let hyper-vaxxers take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll, we, you and I, in that refusal, will get critiqued. Yeah. And that's what's crazy to me. Yeah, from both sides. That's right. As yeah, yeah. So maybe we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. So pastor, yeah. listener, be encouraged. Uh, create the culture where people can talk to each other like rational human beings and watch Dan and do what he does. <laughs> yes. And I mean to consider what kind of it's a special kind of legalism to say that my personal view must be shared by you, or else you're a lesser Christian, or you know, to use modern, you know, epithets, you're a, you're a liberal or you're a whatever, if you don't think exactly as I do, or you're a hyper-conservative, yep. you know, nut, if you don't think as I do, right? So coming from the other side, these are just forms of like man-made laws that we now add on to what ought to be, um, you know, the Christian view of seeing each other is you don't have to think like me for me to love you. And you don't have to think exactly like me for me to treat you as someone made in God's image. That's right. And you don't have to think exactly like me on on these issues that the Bible says. The Bible says nothing about vaccines. Now you you can see it's a valid application of loving your neighbor one way or other. You know, I suppose. But if if there's not a clear word from the Scripture, I think we have liberty in this area. Um, I think maybe you should use your liberty in a different way. You think I should use it in a different way. But I'm not going to treat you as less than. I'm not going to revile you. There are there are clear biblical commands against right. that. So how this issue has suddenly become such a, a grounds for really, Ronnie, it's hate like hating, yeah. reviling our brothers and sisters. Yep. I, I'm I'm not going to let it you know do that. I, yeah. You know I don't want it to get to that point. So yeah, at the end of the day, us first, them cannot win. Right. And we have to be that needs to go on a bumper sticker. <laughs> us first, them cannot win. Yeah, that's that's the culture we've cultivated. Is yeah. everything must be an us versus them conversation, and it doesn't have to be that way. No, you know the uh, um, the the pastor that I mentioned at the big church that got fired, um, the church that I was a part of there in the previous segment. He had a saying um, that was similar to this: "Us versus them doesn't win." It was "Win win or no deal always," which spells Wawanda. <laughs> <laughs> and those were the message points of a sermon he. Gave one time. Wow. It was W-W-O-N-D-A. Win-win or no deal <laughs> always. Wawanda. And then I learned later he plagiarized that. Wawanda forever. I think Wawanda. <laughs> I think Wawanda came from like Stephen Covey or he's like stole it from somebody. Oh, and I didn't know that. Man. But you know what? It stuck with me. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wawanda forever. <laughs> That's good. What a fun episode. It, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Christ is good. Amen. Christ is on his throne. Christ will see us through this mess. We can we can be sure of that. Thank you, listener, for paying attention for 39 minutes and 8 seconds at this counting of the For the Church podcast. As always, if you enjoy what you hear here, give us a good review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Five stars would be preferred <laughs> and maybe a little review, and you can hear your own review wow. read on a future episode. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church. 